morning, everybody. We're uh, going to be back in Ephesians chapter 2. Hopefully you got a Bible uh, with you or somebody nearby has one. You can read along. Uh, we'll get there in just a few minutes. How's everybody doing today? Doing good. I, uh, I need prayers. My wife is out of town. And uh, she left on Tuesday. She won't be back until next Tuesday. She's actually in Florida celebrating her mother's 80th birthday. Now, I must say, sometimes her mother comes and visits. And if she comes, you must not tell her that I told her age. Uh, She doesn't look 80. I will say that for her. Uh, But anyway, uh, Mary Kay's been gone for several days now, so a lot of you know me. Uh, I've been married on uh, over 30 years now. I'm I'm not very good on my own. I've just about reached the end of my rope. Uh, Fortunately, I have uh, Joseph and Cinema there helping me out. Thank you, guys. Helping me out. Uh, Also, I have March Madness helping me out. being a basketball fan, I enjoy that. Uh, have some good friends. By the way, I, I, I really appreciate all the encouragement uh, that I get. Uh, a lot of times, just right before I come up here, people say encouraging things. Today, uh, I was sitting down here, and I was getting ready to come up. They were passing the, the contribution, and I'm, uh, I'm one of those people that gives online. But it does always seem a little bit weird to me when I just take the basket and pass it. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And so uh, Kevin Batchelor was... Uh, uh, you know, passing around the uh, the communion and so or the contribution plate. So I missed him. I goes, you, you know, I uh, you know I give online. And uh, he said something very encouraging. He says, yeah, you're a high tech redneck. So uh, there wasn't much I could say to that, Marcel. I I sort of had to to cop a plea there. Sort of had to uh, agree to that. Anyway, I uh, look forward to uh, Mary Kay getting back. One thing I did want to mention there, um, we are beginning what we believe will be a monthly singles devotional on Friday night. It is 7.30, like was said. It is at the Glendale YMCA. And in your bulletins is the address, singles for all that, if you don't know how to get there. So you can look forward to that. Ephesians chapter 2. I hope that we are going to help to answer today one of the... Uh, most important questions that we can ask ourselves about the Christian faith. And I dare say, I'm quite sure it's something that you have even asked yourself before. We've been talking about, in Ephesians, we're talking about be rich. We're talking about God's plan to bless our lives. We're talking about God's plan to give us a rich life, a full life, an abundant life, a better life. A great life. And we're talking about that, and a lot of what we talked about so far, leading up to where we are in Ephesians chapter 2, is, and we talked about last Sunday in the park, embrace the grace. What is everybody looking at behind me? Those are really cool pictures, aren't they? Uh, And so I just want all of you to know, this is something, when you're staring at the screen instead of me, it makes me very insecure. And, and I think that there's something probably, there's probably somebody standing behind me with doing rabbit ears or something. Um, so anyway, let's try to keep our eyes right here, okay? It's nothing, pay no attention to what's going on back there. Um, anyway, we talked about last week in the park, embrace the grace. 
And that's some of the best news, maybe the very best news, is that we can be saved by grace because of God's love for us. It's so real. It's like a father's love that he's eager to forgive us. And we are free from having to measure up. We don't have to earn our salvation. He forgives us. We couldn't earn our salvation. We're not good enough. We'll never be good enough. We could never do enough to earn our salvation. But that's okay because salvation is a free gift of God given to us. And we are saved by grace. And the church said, Amen. So we've been talking about that. That's good news. But here's the thing that maybe you've even thought of lately that we're going to talk about today that sometimes confuses us. We read the rest of our Bible. Are you following me here now? And we see literally countless scriptures that talk about what we do or what we don't do directly affects whether we're going to be saved or not. That's in the Old Testament and it's in the New Testament. So it frequently leaves us confused. Uh, It leaves us with a lot of questions. How can you be saved by grace, but also potentially lost because of things that you do or don't do? Works that you do or you don't do. Do you understand the question, Marcel? The reason I'm asking you is that you're frequently the one who has the most questions about what I'm saying. Do you need any clarification so far? You're good so far. Okay. We're going to move move on then. So let's read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And we're only going to do three verses today. You know, this is my favorite sermon, the three-verse sermon. Um... But in these three verses, this sort of conundrum, this conflict, this potential confusion about grace and works is highlighted for us by Paul. Remember Pastor Paul writing to the church there in Ephesus that he had formerly led? Says there in verse 8, are you there yet? Well, you don't have to say it like that. A lot of you said it like, yeah, I've been there a long time. When are you going to get there? (laughs) Verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. In other words, we're saved. Not only is grace the gift of God, did you know that faith is also the gift of God? Sometimes we erroneously think, well, you know, grace is God's part and faith is our part. Well, that's true to a certain extent, but he says here that grace and faith are both gifts of God. In other words, who gave us the ability to have faith? Who gave us the reasons to have faith? Who frequently has worked powerfully in our lives to bring us to faith? Who is it that has moved in our hearts so that we would desire faith? Even faith is a gift of God, says, not by works so that no one should boast. And all of that, you can see how awesome that is and why that would make us all, give us all the opportunity to be rich in life, wouldn't it? Saved by grace through faith. 
both of which are gifts of God. And we need to understand this. We need to make sure that we get this. None of us need to try or none of us ever could earn the gift of salvation. That's good news, isn't it? Do you give someone a gift and then ask them to pay for it? If you do that, you're not going to have very many friends. When is your birthday, Marcel? September what? 20th. Everybody write that down. And what is something... uh, I'm, I'm doing a no-look pass right now. I'm talking to Marcel, but you know, I'm looking on over here. I know where he is. I'm not confused, Rob. I know where he is. He's right over there. So, Marcel's birthday is September 20th. What is something that you don't have that you would like for your birthday? Something reasonable now. I mean, we're not talking about a Maserati or a, uh, you know, a vacation home, you know, in Belize. Um, what, what is something that you would like for your birthday? I'm, giving, I'm, I'm trying to use the sermon illustration, but I'm also trying to help you out. What, what would you like? What's something you would like that would be a reasonable cost? Clothes and jewelry. Clothes and jewelry. Could, could we pick one or the other? You want one of those big gold chains, don't you? I know it. See? See? Marlon just said it, but he said two chains, bad thing. Marlon is a bad man. Marcel is much more righteous than that. He don't want no two chains. No, no, much better than that. But let's suppose that I did buy some, uh, well, I don't think I'd buy him jewelry, but let's say I bought him some clothes. I know what, I bought him a nice USC collared pullover shirt. Wouldn't that be cool? You can never have enough of those, right, Marcel? So I bought that for him, and then uh, Marcel was excited, and, you know, we had a little bit of party, and I wrapped it up and all that, and he was really enjoying that. And then toward the end of the evening, I kind of went over, and I go, now, you know, Marcel, that cost me $25, and uh, you don't have to pay me tonight, but whenever you can get around to it. See, sometimes when it comes to works, we almost feel like that's what God did. You almost feel like he, uh, you know, we, boy, I should have read the fine print. You know, we feel like it's almost a contradiction because it says in verse 10, right after, and surely this is not an accident, right after he's talking about so definitively we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. There's no room for anybody to boast. And then he says in verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do I want to read this to you in the uh, the message bible do you guys know the message bible it's a uh, it's a paraphrase of the bible 
It's not a translation, but yet I think it's uh, it's pretty good. Frequently it reads in a very uh, graphic and uh, understandable way. I want to read you this part. It says the same thing in a different way, I believe. Verse 8 through 10. Saving is all his idea. Talking about God and his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It is God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging we'd done the whole thing. Pretty much human nature, isn't it? Doesn't take a lot for us to start taking credit. No, neither we make not we make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, the work we had better be doing. You see the conflict? And I think that a lot of us struggle, and uh, I know I have, and uh, perhaps we'll... uh, Perhaps we won't figure it all out today, but perhaps we'll all move a little bit closer to figuring it out today. Because it sometimes does seem like there's a contradiction, like maybe there's a catch. I relate to this. Uh, recently, I ordered some, uh, some supplements online. Do you know why I did that? Because Mary Kay wanted me to. Because a lot of you know my wife... She's very concerned, not only that she be healthy and fit and supported naturally, but that I also be supported and as fit and healthy as I possibly can be. So uh, there was an there was a certain supplement that uh, she had encouraged me to purchase, and uh, you know I'm like a lot of the guys here at least. Uh, I hate shopping. Love being able to buy things online, though. So I look up this product, this particular supplement online, and I go there, and wouldn't you know it, the first entry, you know, after I Googled it, said, free month supply. And I thought, well, this is awesome. I can get a free month And so they made it so easy for me. All I had to do was put in my credit card. And I had to go down and I got ready to, you know, purchase. And then it was $4.95 for shipping. So I said, well, that's not exactly free. On the other hand, maybe not a bad deal. $4.95. So I went ahead and pushed that button, Rob. And I ordered my free month supply. And uh, it got there. And uh, so I started uh, using the product. And I thought, well, this is pretty awesome. You know, I've got a whole month here to decide whether or not I want to uh, use this product or not. And then I looked at my credit card billing statement. Two weeks later... Had a charge on there for seventy nine ninety five. Oops. 
I go back and I read the fine print. And what I had actually done, maybe some of you can relate to this. What I actually had said, and it was, it was in there, I just hadn't read closely enough, is that what I actually did was signed up for a recurring monthly charge. And, let, and that if I didn't call and cancel within the first two weeks, I would have to pay for that first bottle. Yeah, oh. So I immediately get on the phone. Because it's just past the two weeks and I'm going to make my best appeal to them that perhaps I shouldn't be charged the seventy nine ninety five. See, Kevin, I'm not such a high-tech redneck after all. i still got a lot to learn. I called them up. Now, you know what's amazing to me is as easy it as it was to order that online, you wouldn't believe how difficult it was to get those people on the phone. I mean, first of all, they had a window of about six hours a day in which I had a call. Second of all, they took a long lunch break. And then as well, when I finally did call back, it would ring and ring and ring and ring. And then it would ask me to leave a message. And I would leave a message. And this went on for several days, and they never would call me back. Isn't that shocking? I just don't understand why it was so easy to sign up online. I don't know why I couldn't sign off online. So I ended up, at least I got it canceled after one month. I mean, I don't know if the supplements were doing any good or not, but as a matter of principle, I wasn't paying for any more of those. Sometimes we feel like this thing about grace, which seems so attractive. And then we got all these other scriptures about what we do and what we say and judgment and losing your salvation. By the way, I do not believe there's any way that you can look at the Bible and say that there is no way that you can lose your salvation. There are just way too many scriptures that talk about the possibility that even after being saved, you could lose your faith and lose your way and still not be saved. So what is it? How does this all work? Well, let me mention a couple of things which I think will help us out. First of all, this is not the fine print. The idea of works and the importance of the works that we would do in Christ, it's not the fine print in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. In fact, Paul, in the very same context, immediately follows... His grandiose statements of salvation by grace through faith with the fact that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And as Peterson, who paraphrased, said, and we better be doing them. Because that's what the rest of the Bible says. What is it? It's not in the fine print. Let me ask you to consider something, and we'll look at verse 10 a little more closely, that perhaps... You've never considered. And let me just say, when I studied this for this lesson this week, I feel like I learned a lot. 
I hope to pass on some of that to you today. I feel like it was a little more clear to me as well. It's not a fine print. But beyond, pos- but beyond even that, is it possible that works and the idea of works is actually something that God asks of us and expects of us because he knows it will be a blessing in our lives. Perhaps we need something to do in Christ in order to be fulfilled. In order to experience the richness of life, perhaps we need something to do. Just as last week I was uh, watching uh, something on television and I saw I heard some comments by Lou Holtz. Do you know who Lou Holtz is? Football people would know him, but he was a uh, college coach for many years, very successful. He's on television now as an announcer for college football. And he's also a well-known motivational speaker. He goes around and does speaking engagements for lots of money. I wish I could get that gig Um, for corporations and such. But he was actually talking. I can't remember the program I was watching. And he said there are five things that everybody needs in their life in order to be fulfilled and have a rich life. And he mentioned five things, but the first one was the one that got me. He said, the first thing he said is, all of us need something to do. Another way of saying that, we all need a purpose in our lives. The title of the lesson today is The Power of Purpose. The good news is that we weren't saved just to sit around and luxuriate and bask in our own personal salvation. Doesn't that sound like a little selfish to you? Doesn't it also sound empty to you? It's good news that we were created. To do good works. A lot of us have figured out in our lives already, maybe even apart from the Bible, the power of purpose. When you have a purpose, when you have something that you're living for, you have something to be excited about, you have a reason to get up in the morning, and you have something that you are willing to extend yourself for. Reggie Wyatt sitting right down here, recently baptized, perhaps an Olympian. He's worked hard. I don't even know that. I just assume that. (laughs) He's worked hard for many years to get to this point. He may have had some God-given talent and some opportunity, but he's had to work to get where he is. And I'm sure all that work and all that sacrifice hasn't always been enjoyable. Am I right about that, Reggie? Have there been times when you just didn't particularly feel like working out? All the time. But... When you have a purpose, when you have something that you're going for, something to do, something that you want to be, then it, 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 it can push you and propel you forward in spite of difficulties and challenges. I relate to that from my pursuit of basketball when I was younger and wanting to be a player, a basketball player in college. And I would spend hours and hours on the playground, in the summertime, by myself, or with other people, practicing, 
getting in shape, trying to get better so that I could get a scholarship and so that I could play basketball. But you know that it was a per, it had something it was a purpose there was a passion there was something that was driving me there was a reason to get up in the morning there was something I was excited about the worst day of my life was when at the age of 23 years old I played my last college basketball game and I realized that everything that had been fueling me and all the the purpose of my life that existed for quite a few years now was all over. The NBA was not calling. I don't know why that was so funny to you, Maria, but they won. I would have loved to go on. And I literally, at the age of 22 or 23, whatever I was then, locked myself in my dank, dark, college dorm room and ask myself, what am I going to do? I'm 23 years old. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? And I didn't have an answer. Of course, all of us see that and we feel that. And many times we go on in our life, we, if you understand the power of purpose, we find something to, to live for. And maybe it's our career, or maybe it's our education, or maybe it's the money that we want to make, or the car we want to drive, or the house we want to live in. Maybe it's that. But you know what a lot of us have already figured out? Is that, and some of the rest of us, it may take a little more time, the purposes, apart from God purposes, in the end ultimately are selfish, self-consuming, and unfulfilling. If it hasn't happened to you yet, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to go, is this all there is? The most sobering thing could be to actually reach your goal. And you get there and you've dreamed of it for years and you finally buy that house or buy that car or get that amount of money or achieve that goal, whether it's Olympic gold or something else. And then you're left and you're going, wow, this isn't nearly as awesome as I thought it was going to be. The power of purpose. But God wants to help us out with all that. Look back at verse 10. He says here, For we are God's workmanship. What do you think that means? He's talking about especially those of us who have made our decision to accept the grace of God, the gift of salvation. We've decided to put our trust and faith in the Lord. And he says, now you are God's workmanship. You know, I read a lot of uh, commentaries and things as I was studying this week. 
One way that you could interpret that exactly correctly is that you are God's work of art. Even more, you are God's masterpiece. Who, me? Him? Her? Surely not him. Pointing at you, Olu. No, he said, here's what you got to understand happened. This is the wonder. Sometimes we, un- we don't understand the significance of all that our salvation is. God works on us, not just cosmetically. He doesn't just clean up our act on the outside. He goes deep inside. He gets into our heart. He gets into our mind. He gets into our life. He says, and the Bible uses phrases like, you have been born again. You have a new creation. You have been uh, resurrected and raised in Christ to, to live a new life. You were dead. He's been talking about that. You're something more than that now. You, you've been born again. God says, I took you, and you know what you were? You were an ugly lump of clay. You know where I'm going with this? And God says, me, the God of the universe, I took you. And I shaped you, and I molded you, and I made you into a masterpiece. Next time somebody disrespects you, you just tell them, excuse me, I'm God's masterpiece. You tell them that. See, the Bible assumes that if you are truly been saved, then you have been radically changed. You've been changed in the end. You've been made into something that you never were before. Are you following this? He says you were created in Christ Jesus. God, because he loves us and wants to bless us, worked in our lives, changed us, and gave us a purpose. A reason to live. Good works to do. You know, it's to not have something to do is to have a boring life. Have you figured that out yet? Now, it's a play, there's a time and place for vacations, and there's time for a day off. I mean, even, you know, but, you know, after a while, you know, you're sitting around. If you sit around long enough, have you figured this out yet? You're like, I need to find something to do. Here's what we need to understand about God. God is a worker. You go back to Genesis 1, what did God do? He created this world, this universe. Talks about the first day he did this, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. And then the last day he rested. I like that last day. Because there's a time for... But here's the point we need to understand. What is Genesis 1.27? Does anybody know what Genesis 1.27 says? Eric Rodriguez, I'm looking at you. Don't look it up. Anybody know without looking it up? No, see, I see you guys looking up over here. Don't do that. This is not an open book test. Genesis 1.27 says that all of us, when he gets to the end there, 
And he creates people. What does he say? We were all created in the image of God. Even before you became a Christian, God created us all to be workers. And as much as there's time that we don't like work, all of us, I believe, have experienced the joy that it is when you do something and you do it well. Do you know what I'm talking about? Even if we hated every second of it, when we're done and we've completed our work or whatever that job was, there's a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that we have. Am I right about that? Some of you know that in my house, my job, one of my jobs, is to clean the kitchen. Now, there's a reason that I have that job. It's because I can't cook. I can barely microwave beanie weenies. But anyway, that's why my wife needs to get home and get home fast. Because if she finds out I've been eating at McDonald's, there's going to be hell to pay. But anyway, so I don't cook. Many years ago, I was a bad husband for a long time. But many years ago, I said, okay, Mary Kay shouldn't have to do all the cooking and all the cleaning. See how God was working on me? You see what I'm talking about, Marcel? You can learn a thing or two. And so the way I do it, Mary Kay at least, she doesn't insist that I clean the kitchen before I go to bed, which is good. But So I get up early. First thing I do, I come in the kitchen every morning, and the dishes, the dirty dishes are all stacked, and the counter's frequently dirty. And I'm sorry if that disgusts you or gross you out. But I get up early, and so I make my coffee, First thing I do is clean that kitchen. I rinse all the dishes. I put them in the dishwasher. I scrub all the pots and pans. I put them away. I scrub the counters. And, you know, I can't really say that I enjoy the process all that much. But I'm going to tell you about the time, you know, it takes me generally 20 to 30 minutes every morning. But when I finish that kitchen and I got my cup of coffee, I'm getting ready to go into the living room. I'm going to spend some time with God, going to study my Bible and pray and be with the Lord and get ready for my day. It's a good feeling. You know why? Because God made me that way, even more so if you're in Christ. He's remained you. Whatever your capacity for work or your desire to work was before you were born again, it's going to be even more so now. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. When you are saved, God 
gives you the desire and the ability to do good works. The truth is, if you've been saved, if God's come into your life, you can't help yourself. And I hope you feel that and it's as real to you today as in your life as it is in mine. I want to do good works. I want to make a difference. I want to have something to do with my life. I don't want to be bored with my Christian life. And the truth is, no doubt, there are some in our audience here today who made that decision, but you no longer have a life full of good works. And the truth is, you feel empty and perhaps even bored with your faith. And if you don't change something, it's just a matter of time and you're going to be on your way out. Many of us are bored in our faith. There's only one reason for that. Not enough good works. I don't know if you've looked around lately or not, but there's plenty of work to be done. There's a lot of lost souls. There's a lot of people, even in this room, who need your love and your prayers and your encouragement, your friendship. Am I right or am I right? There's a lot of poor people that need to be fed. There's a lot of homeless people that need to be housed. And God says, God is very confident. If you've been born again, you've been changed. And you're going to want to do good works. Now it should. Does it make more sense now? Why there's so many scriptures that talk about this is what Christians do, this is what Christians don't do, this is how Christians live, this is how Christians don't live. If you don't live like this, you should not expect that you receive the kingdom of God. Does it make more sense now? Because if your life is not full of good works, there's only two options. Either one, you have never truly been saved. I think there's a lot of people who have a faith in Jesus or a belief in Jesus who've never been converted. Do you understand the difference? They've never given their life to Christ. They've never made Jesus Lord. They've never exercised a true faith. And so they haven't been changed. They haven't been... God hasn't moved in their heart and mind. So no, they're not going to... Be motivated. Or the second option is that you once were saved, or you've been saved, you were converted, but now you are resisting the Holy Spirit in your life. You are resisting God. You're fighting against the desire and the heart that God gave you. You're no longer embracing the grace. You're no longer living by faith. Essentially, you have rejected God and God's purpose for your life. He planned for good works for you to do. That's for every one of us. 
It's the only possibilities. Some things as I, uh, I studied a lot for this sermon. That may or may not be obvious, but anyway. <laughs> as I was reading a lot of the books and commentaries that I typically read before I pair a sermon, there were a number of sayings that I just wrote down. Usually, Rob, I preach off the front of one piece of paper, but I had to write these down the back of my paper. You won't hold that against me, will you? It's outside the box, yeah. But you're not going to hold that against me, are you? These are some of the things that I read that yeah, I didn't come up with any of these. But they were, I thought, notable comments about grace and works. Several of them that I thought I would share with you. Some think grace means you don't need to do anything spiritually. You ever met somebody like that? One of the brothers was telling me they were sharing with somebody like that the other day. We've all done it. You share your faith. Oh, I'm saved by grace. I don't read the Bible. I don't pray. I don't go to church. And I don't really care much about sin. Well, I believe in sin. I believe in a lot of it. There's a lot of people that believe they're saved. Something grace means it's, it's almost like grace is a license for sin. Oh, I got my green card. Now I can sin however I want to. It doesn't matter. Some think grace means you don't need to do anything spiritually. But a life of grace includes a life full of good deeds. Here's another one. Grace does not replace work or reduce our workload. In fact, what the Bible teaches is that people who've embraced the grace work harder than they did before. Paul describes himself that way. By the grace of God, I worked harder than the rest of them. We are not saved by work, but neither are we saved from work. See, that's the problem, isn't it? Sometimes we thought we were not saved by work, so we thought we were saved from work. It's boring sitting around doing nothing. Do you know what I'm talking about, Curtis? I mean, I know you rarely do it, but yeah. I remember sometimes when I was growing up, this is a long time ago. Sorry, I, I got, I, I'm going off now. Um, I would be bored and I would whine to my mother. You know that sweet little lady that you see here every year? Who comes here for Christmas, seems so sweet and kind and gentle. Yeah, that was not the woman that I grew up with. So I would complain. I go, well, you know, this is when I'm grade school. It's summertime and I would like, Mom, I, I, Mother, well, I don't have anything to do. I don't have nothing to do. You know what my mother was saying? She had one answer. Once I figured that out, I never, asked, I never told her, I never asked her anymore. She said, well, you know what? I got something you can do. You can sit in the corner and twiddle your thumbs. Now, a lot of you don't know what twiddling, you know what twiddling your thumbs are? That's where you just go like this. 
That was my mother's so compassionate response to the fact that I was bored. You can sit in the corner and twiddle your thumbs. But you know, that's sort of, spiritually, that's where a lot of us are at today, maybe. We're just sitting around. Wonder why I'm not happy. Why do I feel empty? Why am I unfulfilled? Why am I not excited about my faith? And some of you, you're really busy. But you're not busy doing the work of God. I understand you got a job. I understand you got to go to school. I understand you got to study. But when your life gets so busy that you don't have time to do the good works of God, then you're too busy. And you're only hurting yourself. The power of purpose. Just a couple more here, Marcel. I know you always want me to repeat these, but I'm not repeating them. You're going to have to write it down the first time. We do not work to be saved, but we are saved to work. See the difference? And here, which sort of sums up everything that we said this morning, we're not saved by faith plus works, but by a faith that works. You see it? We're not saved by grace plus works. See, don't get into that. That's not going to make you free. That's going to be a misunderstanding. You feel like, okay, God's done his part. I've got to make up the difference. We're not saved by faith plus works. We're not saved by grace plus works, but we're saved by a faith and a grace that works. And if it's real faith, and if it's real grace, then it can't help but flow out of our lives. When we've been touched, when we've been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. It's time to close out. But I want you to do uh, just this one thing. I like to, to give you something, an assignment, something to do. Seems appropriate today, right? I think this is a big issue for a lot of us, even that have been following Jesus for many years. I would just ask you to have a conversation with someone else probably somebody that you're close to, somebody that you trust, about how you feel about the good works in your life. Can we be honest with ourselves for a few moments? One of the greatest habits that you can come to in your life is the habit of being honest with yourself. Have you ever figured out how hard that is to do? A lot of times we tell ourselves things that we want to believe. We desperately want to believe and we don't really, we're not really honest with ourselves. I want you to be brave enough to be honest with yourself about how you feel about the good works in your life. And I want you to talk to somebody else that can help you with that. 
Why? Because you may be feeling, you may be feeling unnecessarily burdened. Because you didn't even understand more that it's, you're saved by grace, not by works. And you may need somebody else to help you to be freed. On the other hand, if you feel like, you know, you just need somebody to help you understand it better. Or you look at your life and you realize that your life is no longer or not now, not full of good works. And let somebody else help you. Let somebody else support you. Let somebody else pray. Talk to somebody else about how you feel about grace and works. I think this is a big deal. Are we supposed to have a song to close, Marcel, or are we done? Let's pray. God, thank you that because you love us, you gave us a purpose for our life in Christ. Thank you that you gave us something to do. Thank you that you gave us a reason to get up in the morning. Thank you for you gave us a way to make a difference. Thank you that you gave us the possibility of fulfillment and joy that comes when we extend ourselves, when we love, when we reach out, when we work, when we do your work, when we care, whether it's for lost souls, our brothers and sisters of Christ, the poor, the homeless, whatever it is. I pray for myself and everybody in this room that we could be rich and experience the richness of life Because we know the power of purpose, and we experience that in our Christian faith. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great Sunday.